This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, thank you for joining us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. We are your hosts here today. I'm Tyler Hurley, and this is Robbie Lashua. I am Robbie Lashua. You are. I My whole life I've been. Well, the third. I'm the third, yeah. yes. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, yeah, we talked yeah, about that. That's right. I actually had people come up to me this week and be like, hey, the third. I'm like, wait, oh, and then I, oh, oh you yeah. must have listened to the podcast. Yeah, so. You know, it's funny. You have like moments like that where people are like listening to the podcast who you know, but then you run into conversation with them later. Yeah. And it's like, I'm sure you probably have had that with a sermon before too, is like you preach yep. and then it's like, hey, I remember this thing, but you don't remember it at all. Yeah, so. and they'll just say it to you and you're not even thinking about something along those lines and you have to nope. like, it's almost like a, um, how would I explain it? It's almost like somebody hits you in the head with a bat. Like in your mind, it's like a poof. Like, whoa, wait. Uh, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. I know what I you're know, doing. That's a great it's way like of describing It's like a shocking, it. like I know jarring thing. Yeah, you're like thrown so. off your, your rhythm. You're like, Sometimes, yeah. Wait. Anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> I am Robbie Lashua, and you're Tyler Hurley, and we are continuing in our series on context. Context. Context with the S at the end. So this yes. is going to be great. Last week we talked about crowd. This week we'll talk about occasion. Yes. And yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, we're super excited about it. But before we get into it, uh, you may have noticed, those of you who are on YouTube watching this, uh, for those of you who can't see it on uh, you know, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you're listening, mm-hmm. we have brand new Christ Culture and oh, Coffee mugs. And they are glorious. They Look are at this very thing. Glorious. It is amazing. Yeah. Are you kidding me right now? This is so nice. It's got our new logo mm-hmm. on it. Heavy duty. Right, ceramic. It it's got our colors. Uh, if you would like to get one of these mugs, you actually can get one on Patreon. If you become a Patreon subscriber at one of the tier levels, yes. uh, you get one of these as being a part of our Patreon uh, support. So we'd yes, love for you to do that. Go fantastic. to Patreon slash Christ Culture Coffee and you can help us out with that. Um, but that brings us into our coffee tip. Yes, correct. And this is the coffee tip for today. Uh, in honor of our new amazing, beautiful mugs here uh, that hold 18 ounces by the way so you can drink a lot of coffee if you would like to yeah it doesn't look like it does but i measured it out 18 ounces fits in this puppy that's great the coffee tip for today is that your preferences of how your mug feels Mm. can enhance your coffee experience i'm sure it can i'm telling you when i'm drinking coffee out of like cheap diner coffee mugs I don't enjoy it as much. And if I have the same mm. coffee in a different vessel, I enjoy it more. Yeah. It's Come weird. Think of it, the feel yeah. of it, how the handle fits in my hand, what the cup's made out of, all of that stuff really plays into it. And I found, and again, I think this is just a preference thing, but everyone's different. Mm. But for me, I like to have like a heavy mug. Yeah, like I like these. it. Yeah, like these. I like it yeah. to have a nice weight to it and I like it to have a, a certain kind of glossy-ish feel on the outside. Mm. I don't like it to be thin. I've always been nervous even drinking out of glasses like when they're so thin, you feel like it's going to break. Yeah. I have like a phobia of that. So oh, I like for sure. I like more thick heavy, dense coffee mugs to drink my coffee out of. Yeah, and this these are just solid. Like you can Oh, these are awesome. It. Yeah. I love it. So that's why I mean that's why we picked this design and everything. Yeah. I'm selfish. Yeah. And I well, said what kind of I a mean, mug would I hey, like? This is a design I would have hundred percent got behind when I was looking at like if I would mm-hmm. looked at this. Uh, the crazy thing is I, I agree with you about the preference of mug because the thing is is I've I've had 
uh, coffee from uh, the same coffee shops before mm-hmm. where I, I'd order it to go, okay, yep. like espresso, and you get it in just like one of those paper cups that you get sure. everywhere. But then I've, I've sat down there before and had like the big old espresso glasses, you know, oh, like, yeah, the, yeah, like yeah. The, the big like cappuccino mugs. Yeah, you the know? huge ones, the really yeah. wide ones. Yeah, yeah, and like like the wide ones. And when, when I'm drinking out of that, I don't know what it is. It just – It's you, better. You feel like – like when you're drinking it, the taste and like something about the experience is improved, even yep. though it's literally the same coffee, same place you're getting it from. It's different. It adds something to well, it. And that, and that lends itself to you at, at people's houses. They typically have like their favorite go to mug. It's true. I have or maybe a couple, right? Maybe I have a couple I like, but there's definitely some in the back of the cupboard I yeah. never use because I don't like them at all. They're for guests. True. And now, obviously, I'm I'm sure this is pretty much like psychological, uh, not necessarily Mm -hmm. affecting the taste. But the thing is, is when you you have a good mug to drink good coffee out of, it enhances the the experience even more. So it does. And I think the weight of it, the feel of it, the tactileness of it, it all comes into play. Obviously, how warm it keeps it and things like that, too. But that's why uh, I thought for today's coffee tip, we would talk about, yeah, what you're drinking it out of does matter. Maybe not so much for how it tastes, but for a lot of other reasons, for a lot of other sense perception reasons. So uh, if you would like to get one of these mugs, we would love for you to become a uh, subscriber or not subscriber, a contributor to Patreon and help support this podcast as we're reaching people with apologetics and with theology, seeing people come to know Christ and seeing a lot of Christians encouraged in their faith. So with that, let's move on to the topic of the day. Yes, Our on to series. the next portion of context. Context. So we are going through an acronym mm-hmm. to help us know how do we go about studying Scripture? What are some general guidelines, some general rules that can help us when we study Scripture? Yeah, and so just to recap for you guys what those are, each of the letters and context, contexts, what they represent— uh, I'm just going to go through that really fast, but today we are going to be focusing on occasion. Yep. So just to recap, the C, that's crowd, audience, okay? Understanding the audience. We talked about that last week. Uh, occasion, historical, cultural background. That's what we'll be getting into today. Mm-hmm. Name of the author, whose name or signature is at the end of this manuscript or like passage that you're reading. Time or the date of when it occurred. Echoes, repeated words or phrases, mm-hmm. explanation, which again, uh, it's just an X, not the E before, but it works. Yep. Explanation, <laughs> wor- meaning word studies or kind of just semantic domains, like just explaining. Yeah, what the words mean what the words possible mean. range of meanings. Exactly. Yeah. And then that gets into text what, for the T in context. Text. What does the text say? Observation. That's yep. what the next thing is there. And then lastly, the S on context says to me, application. So what? What does it mean, right? So uh, these are all really important, and especially that last one too, because you need to interpret scripture Mm -hmm. uh, appropriately, but then you also need to realize how you can apply it to yourself. So that's what the S is for context. Yep, context. But but again, today we are going to be focusing on occasion. Yep, the O, occasion. This is second in the series of context, so the O. So the occasion is really important, Um, and when you're looking at Scripture, you really are trying to um, build a bridge 
over a chrono- chronological space, right? Yeah. We're, we're 2,000 years removed from the newest scripture. We're about uh, 3,400 years removed from the oldest scripture. That's a long time, man. There's well, a lot to figure out. There's a lot different, yeah. We're also trying to build a bridge, not just over chronological distance, but also cultural distance. Mm-hmm. How they did things back then and phrases that they had and customs that they had are completely different than now. And if we don't understand what they were dealing with when these books were written, then we're going to be really confused when we try to understand it, right? I, th- I thought about this. Um, so if I, if I tell you this phrase, you're going to know what I mean. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's hear it. Okay. If I say the phrase, I laced up my chucks, I slammed the door, I hopped into my Altima, and I Googled Pep Boys, and I found that it's on the 101 and the 51. What does that mean, Tyler? I know, I know immediately where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, right? What does it like, mean? Most of what you just said in that sentence is time based. Yeah, in this specific in this, time. So yep. when I say I laced up my trucks, you know I'm talking about Chuck Taylor Converse, which oh, means yeah. I tied my shoes mm-hmm. and I slammed the door, means I left my house and I closed the door. Mm-hmm. I got in my Altima, means I got into my automobile. Yeah. Which again, you still even know need to know what an automobile is, right? Yeah. And then if I say a Google search, you know what I mean is I took out my phone, I got on the internet, I typed in Pep Boys, which is a tire and oil changing store, right? An automotive store. Yeah. And I found the location of it is on the intersection of the 101 freeway and the 51 freeway here in Arizona. Yeah. That's what it means. And so now, again, fast forward 500 years from now, and some dude who speaks Italian tries to understand that sentence. Yeah, and I mean, what if the crazy thing is, like, what if 500 years from now, there's no cars? Yeah. So you got to figure out what an Ultima is. Uh, yep. What if there's no internet? Yep. Uh, which I mean, I'm not saying that I believe this will happen. But who but just, knows? Who knows? Yeah. You know, like so. You so see, you got to think. Googled. He, yeah. How, how, what if there's no longer a 101 and a 51 freeway? Yep. What if they change the names if there's no cars? You know, so yep. you got to think of these things. To so. be honest, the Pep Boys one's probably the toughest, uh, yeah, right? Because businesses <laughs> come and go all the time. And yeah. so, like, yeah, we have to understand the cultural lingo, the cultural customs, mm. what's going on in the time. In order to interpret scripture correctly, because if we don't know yeah. this stuff, we could, you could take the sentence I said in Italian and use those words for what you use them for. Yeah. Even if you learned English from Italian, right? You could use, still use the words for what you use them for, and you could come up with a completely different meaning than what I was intending. And when we're just I talking said it. 500 years from now. Exactly. Like, that's. So when it comes to scripture, we really need to spend some time digging through the culture and trying to understand what was going on with specific things that are said in scripture to help enlighten us to understand what is going on there. Historical occasion. In addition to uh, the cultural background, um, just the, the occasion in the same chapter will help you understand scripture. And a lot of times this is just called context, right? Yeah. What is the context of the paragraph before and the paragraph after where you're reading? What is the occasion of the section of scripture that you are in the middle of reading? Yeah. So if you're ever in the middle of a chapter, you should maybe think, hey, what's before and after this in the chapter? What's before and after this in the book? Yeah, so it's very yeah. helpful. So occasion is a really helpful tool when it comes to studying scripture. So now we're going to give you an example of how this works and why, and and show you how it's important. Yes, of course. So I want to read to you a passage of scripture from Matthew chapter 8, and then we're going to dissect the occasion of what was going on here, all right? So this is Matthew 8, verses 18 through 22. 
Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. Then a scribe came and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. Oh, that's harsh. What the? Jesus, like that's, <laughs> yeah, what is going on here? Like, yeah. is he just having a rough morning? Like, let I mean, the dead he, bury their own. I got to go bury my father. No. He didn't have one of these mugs with the coffee. It must you know, have been. Like, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, you no. look at this and you go, man, that is a really harsh statement of Christ. Like, yeah. what is going on here? Which should make us pause and go, okay, wait, are we missing something? So let's consider this <laughs> phrase about not letting this guy go bury his dead dad before he follows Jesus. It sounds heartless, but what could be going on? And, and why yeah, do we, why do we read this and think this doesn't work with other things? Like this doesn't seem to line up with what Jesus would say. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is the statement doesn't seem to measure up with other passages in scripture about what you would think Jesus would say in this instance. Like, for example, in Exodus 20, 12, it says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you, right? Yeah, and so, so that's, and, and that's a Ten Commandment, right? Yeah, that's an early foundation, right? Wait a second honor. So he's telling his followers to disobey one of the Ten Commandments? Is, is that, that what's happening? Is that what's happening, Tyler? Is Jesus telling them not to obey God's word? Christianity's false. We got to throw it all out. That's. <laughs> well, I mean, if you yeah. if you look at this yeah. at face value, you go, yeah, this doesn't make sense to me. Something weird's Th- happening. That's and exactly the thought. Yeah, it's really crazy too because you think about, um, you know, burying a parent is uh is an honorable thing to do. Oh, of course it is. And yeah. they're literally in the land that the Lord was going to bring them into. Yeah. Well, so the whole idea. Jesus is, is telling this guy, yeah. don't honor your father in the land that you're in where you're supposed to prosper if you honor your father. Exactly. What? Yeah. So so that's where it gets confusing. And, yeah. and then reading on, I'm going to give a, share another passage uh, to think about this too, is uh, Deuteronomy 21, 22 through 23, mm-hmm. says, if a man has committed a sin worthy of death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, his corpse shall not hang all night on the tree, but you shall surely bury him on the same day. Mm. For he who is hanged is accursed of God, so that you do not defile your land, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance. So he, so this passage is saying, essentially, it is law to bury your dead on the same day that they had died, or at least yeah. when you d- had discovered them, so that way you can bury them and yeah. not defile the land with just rotting corpses. Yeah, and and if you yeah. also think about too, it's like, an honoring thing. It is an honoring thing, and if that's what the law is for criminals, right? Yeah, then that's probably kind of what it is for everybody. Yeah, because like, that was about criminals. Because he said yeah. it, it said if you hang him on a tree, this you can't leave his corpse to hang. So yeah. obviously, it's referring to criminals. But that's the thing. It's this, this guy. This Con, uh, occasion here is in the aspect of the guy burying his father who wasn't a criminal yep, according exactly. to what we know. So Jesus saying that this guy's dad doesn't deserve even what a criminal was allowed by the law. Yeah, that's, that's the question. Again, it's just so, it's such a weird hard saying of Jesus that we find in Matthew 18. And um, we have to do a little bit of digging though. So you could just read that and Gloss over and go, well, Jesus said it, so it must be true. But that doesn't help you understand what's going on 
in this occasion. Of course. And we need to do a little yeah. bit better than that if we're studying Scripture, okay? So this is where it comes down to looking at the occasion in the immediate context right before and right after it. And this is where it gets weird, Tyler, because the very story, the very passage right before what we just read in Matthew 8 is about when Jesus is healing all these people, and then he goes to Peter's house, and he, he heals Peter's mother-in-law, and then she gets mm. up and starts serving. So think about this. Jesus is okay with going and healing Peter's mother-in-law so that he feels fine in leaving his family and coming and following Jesus. But then this other guy says, hey, I want to bury my dad first. And Jesus says, no, if you really want to follow me, let the dead bury their own dead. Yeah. What? Like it's it seems like a double standard where he'll enable Peter to follow by healing his mother-in-law, but he won't allow this guy to bury his dead dad. And what's Jesus rush? Like That's you can't take two hours yeah. to let this guy go bury his, his dad and then come after you. You could you couldn't even tell him, hey, just meet us. We're gonna go across the sea, which is what they do. Yeah, just meet us over there tomorrow. Yeah, meet us a day later or something. It's yeah. such a so. What is what What's is happening? happening here? <laughs> yeah, is Jesus just this heartless, crabby guy who was having a bad day? Where he'll heal some people, but he won't let others bury their dead fathers. It's a yeah, weird Where's the passage. consistency here? Yeah, That's so so when you read something like this, it's good to think, maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's something that I don't understand that in this time period, they would understand. Yeah, and, and that's the important que question, right? It's what was the cultural situation and the historical mm -hmm. context. And so it's important. Like, it's always important to know that, even for, like, today's day and age, like with the examples that you just gave earlier. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give another interesting example for our listeners here. Uh, did you guys know that in the state of Arizona, it is illegal to allow a donkey to sleep in a bathtub? <laughs> It is. It's true. Well, to be it's honest true. with you, I don't see a lot of donkeys sleeping in bathtubs, I so mean, people I must don't. be following that law yeah, here. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I've never seen it. People obeyed. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's eradicated. <laughs> I mean, Most people don't even know about this law, God right? forbid uh, we find a donkey sleeping in a bathtub What's somewhere. the harm of a donkey sleeping in a bathtub? That's such... what. Like so, <laughs> so in my immediate situation here, I hear that law and I think... That's stupid. There were some drunk hillbillies back in the day who must have made a stupid law for fun because <laughs> what would be the reason yeah. why you would make a law that a donkey can't sleep in a bathtub? It's stupid, right? Yeah, exactly. Could you imagine, like, you in your condo, right? What would you have to do to get a donkey into your bathtub? Oh, gosh. I, I didn't want to do that, first <laughs> no. off. But if I was trying to, that'd be very difficult. Yeah, I'd have to squeeze it through the door of my house, and then I'd have to take it up the stairs— in our in our second story and take it into our room. There's no way my I wife would be cool I have a very narrow that. hallway that leads yeah. to the bathroom where the tub is. <laughs> so you're like crushing the sheetrock with and the, the donkey coming through. the bathroom's pretty small itself. Yeah. It's just so no, so you go work. why would anybody do that? What a stupid idea. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So that's the question. So it seems silly to us, right? Yeah. What harm could come from that? So understanding the historical context of what why this is Really helps to make tons of sense out of this, right? Okay, yeah. That's, so what? Yeah. So where did this come from? What is the that's occasion the for this weird donkey law? Yeah. So here's the occasion here. In 1926, so here we go. Long time ago, okay. Near Kingman, Arizona, a man was allowing his donkey to sleep in an old bathtub that was outside. In oh. in that area, a dam broke, which flooded the area. And the sleepy donkey was washed away in the bathtub. 
he was sleeping in the bathtub. <laughs> That's great. And it just washed the donkey I'm getting away. These mental pictures of a donkey in a bathtub, just like flash flood floating. Yeah, down and, a river. But the thing is, the donkey didn't die. Like, like he. Okay. He was still. He survived. He was floating using the tub as like a flotation device, as a boat essentially. Yeah. And the town spent a ton of money, like a ton of money and manpower to rescue the donkey. And the, sure. Yeah. And this led to people at Kingman lobbying for a law that would ban donkeys from being allowed to sleep in bathtubs. So that way, if there was ever a flood, because not just in Kingman, but for those of you who might not be Arizona natives, uh, all throughout Arizona, flooding is an issue. Yeah, like flash, flash floods, floods are bad. They the happen ground, here a lot. The ground's so hard yeah. that, yeah, a little bit of rain can just bring on mm-hmm. a flash and flood. And we, we get monsoon storms in the summer, yep. and then so it's dry, and the ground's like rock solid, but then it just floods. Yeah. So, so that's the thing. So... Now that makes sense. It's like, okay, yeah. you don't want a donkey to be inside of a bathtub anymore, like ever, because it could risk flooding and us having to use manpower and Yeah, and risking town. people's lives yeah, to save to, a donkey. And to it's save just, an animal. It makes sense where they say, hey, look, we don't want to do that type of thing. Now, now, now that you yeah. know that, does that seem silly to you? I mean, well, it's still kind of funny, but I mean like... It makes sense why you do it. Yeah, you don't want to spend money. And you're not just going to want to let the donkey die or drown. Well, or donkeys were, were valuable property. They so were. You're even yeah. thinking about your property and saying, hey, yeah, I don't want something like that to happen again. When you understand the occasion, Mm, it makes sense of it. But we can look back and go, that seems so weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, and again, we're not talking about this today, but maybe in the Old Testament when it talks about people not eating shrimp, there was an actually good reason for it. Maybe there was. Maybe. And maybe that's what our listeners should go check out. Yeah. Maybe God had a reason for telling people back then not to do these things. Maybe there was context to the weird laws that we find funny today, like wearing mixed fabrics. Yep. Things like that in the Old Testament. So (laughs) now for for what we're studying today in this passage in Matthew 8, when we want to look at the occasion, first of all, there's a whole bunch of different ways you can look at this. You can get, you know, um, Bible encyclopedias, uh, um, New Testament dictionaries, all of these historical background books. They're fabulous because they help us understand what was going on in the culture. And uh, these guys who put them together are brilliant because they're studying other ancient manuscripts from the time and cultural elements uh, from archaeology and from a whole bunch of different sources so that we can understand what was going on. But specifically, I want to talk about archaeology uh, in regards to this text because sometimes what we dig up in places and and when we get the dates right, they help us to understand uh, what's going on in culture, especially with customs. So how does archaeology help us clarify this difficult statement of Jesus about the guy burying his dad? So what we got to ask is what do we know? from archaeology and from other manuscripts about burial practices in first century Israel? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's there's three main things that we know. There's more, but three main things that we know for sure. One of them is that they practiced immediate burial. Practice yes. number one, it was immediate. Uh, in the Old Testament, we see that this act of immediate burial was practiced consistently uh, through people who were being buried with their fathers, right? You read that uh, that passage about even a criminal gets buried the day he dies. Yes. You don't leave him hanging overnight for animals and to well, eat And them. it makes sense, too, because you don't want dead, rotting corpses just laying wherever they died. Yeah. And just staying there. Well, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, that's kind of gross. Um, and it's also dishonoring. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we, we see this example in the Old Testament. We also see it in the New Testament with Jesus' body, right? Well, yes. He was hung on a tree. 
and he was buried the same day he died before sunset. Um, and the, the Romans actually, it's kind of, it's a really crazy scenario. Um, but the Romans allowed the Jews for, I think it's about like a 50, 60 year period of time. They allowed them to not, uh, they allowed them to take crucified victims off of the crosses before the sun went down mm-hmm. because typically Rome would just leave people on the cross and have birds eat their flesh and dogs eat them. They'd leave them on there for weeks. But um, because of this Jewish law, they wanted to appease the Jews and say, okay, you can take people off before sundown, especially before sundown of the Sabbath. And so that's why they would break their knees because then they can't push up, then they'll die before the sun goes down, which yeah. allows the Jews to take them off the cross first. Um, so, so we see this with Jesus. Like he was buried immediately after he was taken off the cross. Um, and one of the reasons for this was because of uh, ceremonial cleanliness laws. You know, Jews aren't really supposed to handle dead bodies a lot. You remember all the cleanliness yeah. stuff in the Old Testament? They're not supposed to touch dead bodies, things like that. Um, like, you know, just flipping touch dead bodies. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very particular about it. They were a very clean society. Um, but another reason for this is that Israel, most of the year, is a pretty warm climate. And they didn't have this little thing called refrigeration. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't want dead bodies just hanging around no. in a warm climate when you can't put them in a morgue. We we don't think about that because we have morgues and we can keep people cold so that they don't decay. It slows the decay process, yeah. right? They didn't have that. So what would you do? You'd bury people quickly. Mm-hmm. So the first practice we know about burial practices in Israel in the first century is that they practiced immediate burial. Yeah. And that's exactly it. And so the practice number two with the whole burial practice uh, is washing burial wrappings, spices, all left on a shelf or a shallow grave. And the yep. reason for this is because washing the body, like cleaning around the, the area, having them in wrappings and then putting spices on them and all that, it would help alleviate the smell and the decay. Exactly. Right? So that was another practice. It was very, very specific. And they did this. Uh, we see this uh, an example with Jesus's burial, right? Yep. Uh, we see it in John 19. And so that's very uh, cultural that they would do this. It, it's because the thing is, is you got to imagine, especially for the type of tomb that Jesus was buried in, right? Mm-hmm. Like kind of a cave yeah. area. That he's not completely like buried underground. Like there's not just dirt like covered over him mm-hmm. and he's not like six feet under or whatever. So what's likely that happens in these types of graves is you, if you go near him, you can kind of smell. Yeah. Well, and that's why they'd seal him with a rock or they'd yeah. have, they even had like hinged doors on some of them. Yeah, they did. But they'd keep them closed because you don't want that smell. <laughs> well, and you remember exactly. when Lazarus, when Jesus rose Lazarus from the <laughs> dead, remember he says, roll away the stone. And then what does it say? Everyone smelled it and was like, oh, gosh, because he's been in there for a few days. That was another evidence piece that he had been dead because because the the smell of decay. So so that's exactly what happened. So, of course, by laying the spices over and putting incense in there, it alleviates that. So when Lazarus, just like you said, when he came out of the tomb, he had burial wrappings around his body and his head. That's another example. Like, yes, they did this. This was a regular practice. That's practice number two. They had burial wrappings, spices, and incense to help alleviate that. Yeah, and one of the things, too, that you said, which is really important for us to highlight, is that they would put them, lay them down on a, like, a shelf. Like, Jesus was, like, put on a shelf that was kind of, like, uh, carved out of limestone. 
or they would dig like down, I don't know, maybe like three inches inside of the cave tomb and they would put them in like in an indent in the ground, not cover them up with dirt or anything yeah. like you were yes. saying. Oh, and, and the reason for this is important because what they were trying to do, which leads us to practice number three. And this is a practice I don't think most people will know about, but it's really important for understanding what Jesus might be saying in Matthew 8. Yeah. Practice number three that we know in the first century was in vogue with Jewish people is what's called ossuary boxes. These ossuary boxes were used to house the bones of the deceased after their flesh had decayed off of them for one year. Mm-hmm. So the practice was put them in on the shelf, right, in the tomb, yeah. wrapped up, spiced up, uh, or put them in the indent in the tomb, wrapped up, spiced up. You leave them there for one year, and their flesh decays off their bones. Then you go back a year later, you unwrap, you collect their bones, and you put them in an ossuary box, which was like a limestone box. And then you'd put that box in the back of the tomb with your other ancestors' ossuary boxes. That was like the final resting place. So ossuary boxes were in vogue during this time of of history. They were like 20 to 30 inches long, and we've discovered I think close to 1,000 ossuary Mm. boxes have been – uh, excavated in archaeological discovery. Um, and uh, they, they're all about 20 to 30 inches long. They're just long enough to fit the longest bone in the human body, which is your femur bone. That's right. And so they would tr- tr- stack them up in there. Some of these boxes we found have had multiple uh, uh, different people, different bones inside of it. Um, but this was yeah. a common practice in Israel during the first century. So why and where did this idea come from? Because you can scour the Old Testament, and there's no yeah. uh, explanation of ossuaries. They weren't using ossuaries during the Old Testament times. Uh, this practice really only exists in Jerusalem from about 100 BC to about 70 AD. We do see ossuary boxes used other places in Israel, um, after this, up until I think even the fourth century, but in Jerusalem, after it was destroyed in 70 AD, that kind of ended it. Mm-hmm. But so, so for a short period of time, they were doing <clears throat> this specific thing, and this just so happens to be during when Jesus talks to this guy about burying his dad. Yeah, so that's maybe true. it's pertinent to us interpreting what's going on. Yeah, that's a good question. So, where did yeah. this idea come from? Why did Jews start practicing this burial? of ossuary boxes. Well, what happened was there was theological development that came about. And it was this idea that the rabbis started teaching and developing that um, in order for your uh, soul to go to heaven, you needed to spend a, a certain amount of time in a heavenly court, kind of like a, a Jewish purgatory, to be honest, yeah. and, and <laughs> having purification of yourself because your flesh contains sin. And so your flesh needed to decay off of your bones before you were qualified to enter Abraham's bosom or heaven. Yeah. yeah. And so the idea was, let's leave them out. Let's let the flesh decay. Then we go back a year later, collect their bones and putting them in their final resting place. Now, this this theological idea is bogus. Like, it's not scriptural. Oh, of course, yeah. It's not taught. Like, Jesus doesn't believe this. You know, Jesus didn't have an ossuary box. That's true. He did. Isn't that interesting, right? Yeah. So um, that's where this practice came from. And now with that in mind, 
Yeah, exactly. Let's that's, check out maybe how this fits with Matthew 8. That's exactly the point we need to look at here. So now that we have looked at the cultural burial practices, let's go look at this. Matthew 8, 21 through 22, and think through what Jesus was saying. Yep, we got to know the occasion, right? Yeah. And we've looked a little bit about the occasion. Exactly. So. And so what is the situation in this passage? That's what we need to ask ourselves. So there's a couple options we have here. There's three, to be exact, three yep. options. Option number one. Okay, here we and, go. And these are our options now that we know the, the, the background. Yep. Option number one is the man's father is not dead yet. Well, and that's how when I read it, uh, well, that's not how I take it. I take it like, man, this guy's dad just died. Jesus, yeah, well, what the heck? When you read it, it's like, why would he say, like, let me bury my father if he's not dead yet? But, yeah. but still... Uh, that's that's the thing. It's like that's what you would assume when you're reading it. You're yep. like, obviously. But again, maybe in their culture, it's different. Maybe, yeah, maybe exactly. his dad is still alive, right? So that's what you got to ask. Yeah. The, is this father uh, still alive? And it, this man says, I will follow you after my dad eventually dies and I bury him like a good son should. So that's kind of what he's saying. And who knows how long that would be? That's a, that's right? the thing. So, so I gotta okay, bury my like, dad. Well, so I'll follow you. You know, when he gets around to dying. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is um, the traditional view of this passage, right? That, this is actually um, what's probably been like the old take on this. Is like, yeah, this yeah, is the most popular interpretation of it. Yeah, is that yeah. The guy's dad it. hasn't died yet, and and you know, there's there's other reasons for it. That we didn't talk about, but there are yeah. other reasons for it. Like they had a really strict like funeral procession thing where if the guy yeah. had his dad just die, he'd be at home. Uh, and I think there's like a seven day mourning period. And so he probably so might have been the may. OK, so then they're saying, well, maybe he was uh, taking place in the burial ceremony, meaning not just burying him, but all the things that followed after. Well, no, that's because what, if he was doing any of it, he yeah. wouldn't be hanging out with Jesus. Well, that's true. That's And that's where go. they say, see, so it doesn't so seem like his dad's dead yet. That's the idea. There you go. Yeah. So so this view, uh, uh, the, if this is the case, Jesus' statement is still very odd because he would be telling the man to disobey honoring his father and not obeying the law. So that's still yeah. what's happening, even if that's the case, uh, uh, with this view that we had yeah. mentioned here. And this view also does not help us to understand Jesus' statement, let the dead bury their own dead. Well, and see, that this yeah. is huge, Tyler. That's such a great point, because Jesus tells the guy, let the dead bury their own dead. What yeah. does that mean? Because cause that would happen. <laughs> yeah. It's just, That's exactly what, it. so, so it's there because Jesus is communicating something, right? Yeah, and I think it's more, I think the way that we take it, if you're reading that at face value, it's like, let him bury himself by Jesus not being literal, but being figurative. Sure. And it's because obviously everyone knows a dead person cannot bury themselves because they are dead. Yeah. So, so okay, so what, what does he mean by this? Like, yeah, that's, that's what you got to think. So this interpretation that his dad isn't dead yet, what, how does that help us understand what Jesus is saying? Well, it doesn't. No. It's, it's really bizarre. Plus, um, I think this is probably not what's going on because this is an excuse. So the guy's making an excuse not to follow, right? He says, yeah. I'll follow you wherever you go. But I got this one thing to do. So I got one excuse. I got one thing. The idea that this guy's dad isn't dead yet, everybody whose dad was alive could use the same excuse, which yeah. means it's a stupid excuse. So I don't know if a guy would voice this opinion publicly 
if his dad was still alive and he's saying, oh, I got to wait around a while to bury my dad. That's just such a weird, like anybody could say that. Yeah. It's like the yeah. whole dog ate my homework. Like everybody uses that lame excuse. Like, so I don't know if that's what's going on here because this guy seems to be genuine and saying, I'll follow you. Um, so I don't know why he'd make a lame excuse. Pretty much everyone could make. Yeah, that's exactly the the point. Yeah. So, so this is most likely, in my opinion, I know a lot of commentators say this is what's happening. Yeah, that's actually that's what I had originally heard about this yeah. passage until studying this further. And now in, we're we're gonna get into that. Yeah. So. In my opinion, though, I don't I don't think that's what was going on. Yeah. I don't think yeah. the guy's dad was still alive, and he's saying I want to wait around, yeah. which brings us to the, our second option. Yeah. Option number two is the man's father is dead, but not buried yet. Okay, so right. first option, his dad hasn't died yet. Mm -hmm. Second option, his dad has just died. Yeah, but he needs to go bury him, which is kind so of it's the still face the same value. Day. It's like my father just died, and I need yeah, to go bury. Yeah, let him. me go bury him, right? And, and that's kind of the face value reading. I, yeah, of it. I think it's kind of like like everybody would assume that at your first take. It's like okay, based on the cultural context that we are, that's yeah. more commonly known, I'd say, than what yeah. we're about to get into. Uh, of the dead being buried on the same day. It's like, okay, he probably died on the same day. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's yeah. the face value context. Uh, the, the man wants to go and bury him and then follow Jesus. But this is probably not the case because we know that burial burials happen immediately after death in a brief moment of mourning. And he yeah. wasn't doing that clearly. He was with yeah. Jesus. See, and that's, that's the big thing. So if he had known... Yeah. That his his father had died this day, and that he had to partake in the mourning process. He wouldn't have even seen Jesus that day. He would yeah. have been with his family that whole time, and this conversation wouldn't have happened unless Jesus came to him yes. in the middle of this process. And that is one of the re that's the reason why most people don't think the guy's dad has just died. Well, yeah, because either he's disobeying not just Jewish law, but also like cultural customs, well, and like cleanliness law. Yeah, and cleanliness. And, and he's and dishonoring. Like so he, he would be dishonoring his father, yeah. but then saying he needs to honor. His father. So, uh, and obviously, <laughs> you know that that's not the case. No, that's not what's going on. And it doesn't can, make sense. And that's something you can tell at face value that yeah. that's not what's happening. Yeah. So, so that's the question. So, if this man's father was dead, he would be mourning with him and burying him in the spices, the garments, not hanging out in the crowd and telling Jesus he that like he wanted to follow him. Yeah. That's exactly what would have been happening. Yep. And then the other thing that we got to think about with this is okay. Let's say this is what happened. The guy's dad just died, and yeah. he needs to go bury him. What does Jesus mean when he says, let the dead bury their own dead? That's a great it's question. It's weird. Again, yeah. it's a weird phrase. And this brings us to where people um, don't do another thing we're going to talk about Where in with, with um, when we get to uh, the text. What does it say? What is there? What do we observe? A lot of people will interpose their... Uh, theological system onto this. And a lot of times, in yeah. order to make sense of this, people will say, well, what he means is let the spiritually dead bury the spiritually dead, but you should follow me and become spiritually alive. But the problem is it doesn't say that anywhere. No. And so they're There's, just making it up. The thing is, is like, yeah, yes, Jesus did speak in, uh, in like uh, kind of that nature of um, uh, like figure of speech and stuff like that, but like, mm -hmm. or to... To kind of provide context to, I like he he tried to give ideas, right? Yeah. He gave a lot of ideas that would help you lead to a con certain conclusion. Yeah. But the thing is, is whenever he does that, he's very clear on what you're supposed to. Yeah, to and a lot of times interpret. he interprets his parables himself. His he does. disciples yeah, come and say, "What does that mean?" Yeah, and he so tells his parables them. make like you typically understand exactly what he's talking about because he's so specific in his parables. Yes. So. 
that leads us though to think that this isn't likely the case that like that yeah it doesn't help us understand yeah. the whole let the dead bury their own dead but the other thing is we got to be careful when we come across tough to understand passages mm. that we don't let our theological systems or bias or things we've heard from pastors or commentators um we, we can't let that yeah. be the lens through which we interpret the text. We have to interpret sure. what the text says, which is well, what's called exegesis yes. instead of eisegesis. So the whole idea of he's saying, let the spiritually dead bear the spiritually dead, that's not in the context anywhere. Those literally aren't the words yeah. that are spoken. So I'm a little hesitant to say that's what this means. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And for some people, uh, looking at it that way can be tough. Like, I get it. Because the thing is, is if you spend a lot of time studying scripture and you see yeah. certain patterns, because it, it's human nature to create patterns in our heads, yeah. right? Of things, of coincidences or things that seem to line up. Yeah. When And then we take that, we apply it to things where really it, it doesn't associate with the same Yeah, and that's not studying pattern. scripture. Yeah. That's making scripture say what your bias already exactly. is. Exactly. And so and that, that's something that. that we have to practice yep. regularly. So if, if it is an option number one, that the, the mm-hmm. guy's dad hasn't died yet, and he's saying, let me wait until he eventually dies, then I'll bury him, then I'll come follow you. And if it is an option two where the guy's dad has just died and he says, let me go bury him right now. And Jesus doesn't have time for that and says, no way, follow me right now. Let the dead bury the dead. What is our third option? And this is where I think understanding the occasion and the culture and the Mm. customs helps us to make sense of this passage. The third option would be that the man's father is dead and buried, but he has not been put in his ossuary box yet. That is yeah. that what's going on here. So in effect, the man would be saying to Jesus, my dad is buried and I'm waiting for his flesh to rot off his bones. Maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe I got six months left. Maybe I got eight months left, whatever. So I'm waiting for his flesh to rot off so he can be purified for the afterlife. Permit me to wait until the purification process is done so I can go back, put my dad's bones in an ossuary box, put them with the rest of our ancestors, and after I do that, then I'll follow you. Mm. Now, this kind of makes sense of the context, of the cultural situation, too. Well, because what seems to be happening here is he's taking into the cultural idea the, 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 that you had just mentioned earlier, that this is something that's theological, right? Yeah. It, when in fact it's not. Exactly. Well, and that's, that's the thing, is Jesus doesn't believe in this soul purification, flesh off bones so, thing. Jesus, yeah. Jesus is coming to teach the only way you're qualified for heaven is through belief in so me. So maybe when he's saying something like, let the dead bury the, the, themselves, maybe he's saying, let these ancestors bury their own legacy, bury their own. Cause the thing is, is yeah. they're already buried. They were, they were honored. Yes. Well, that's, that's the yeah. thing. So this guy, so Jesus would be saying, listen, man, you've already buried your dad. You've honored your father according to the old Testament law. Yeah. This ossuary box thing is bogus. Let your dead ancestors who are in their ossuary boxes bury your dead dad later on and put him in an ossuary box. Let the dead bury their own dead. This is the only uh, option I think that makes sense of Jesus' statement, let the dead bury their own dead. Yeah, and now the thing is, is we have to also know too, like there there was probably a lot more of a conversation behind this too than just what we have exactly in scripture. Yeah, there might have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah, who knows? It's very likely too that they talked this through and Jesus is explaining this, but we have to go off of what we have and the conclusion we need to draw from it is one of these three options. Well, what, what's for sure, Tyler, is yeah. that when Matthew wrote this down, 
people who were reading it at the time knew what he was saying. That's that's key. That's the key. Yeah, and so that's why we get into who is the crowd. And that's another question you need to ask. And what's the occasion? Is, yeah. is why were people who were reading this back then didn't question it to that degree, whereas we have people uh, like today where you look at the context of this and it's difficult to understand the exact meaning. So so that's where we have to take a step back and we have to look at the context. Yeah, it's because those people back then knew what it meant to lace up your truck, slam the door, and get in your Altima. Yeah, that's there why. You go. Yeah, that's, that's why. Exactly it. And so, with the chronological distance, with the cultural distance, we've got to build bridges back to these things to understand what was going on in these situations, so that we don't make misapplications yes, and say yes. things like, "What it means is let the spiritually dead bury the spiritually dead." The, Jesus is making no judgment calls on this guy and his family's eternal life it's so true he's not saying anything yeah. like that it literally says this guy was one of his disciples mm -hmm. so so we have to look and say what does it say and what am i missing here yes, maybe i so am the one who's out of place sometimes though it's so tough because we're just arrogant and we think well of course i can understand this and it's like well i think we can and i think it's meant to be understood but maybe we have to do a little bit of work yeah it's not just like we all know we we have to look at these things like we would any other uh old book yeah. i was reading so like yeah. recently i'm reading um uh, with my kids, we're reading through The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe right now, C.S. Lewis. Oh, yeah, that's right. Such a great book. So, uh, And my two oldest love it. They're like, read another chapter. Like, they can't get enough of it. The younger ones are like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, but so this book is – when did he write those books? In the 40s? Something like I, that? Actually, yeah. Something I think around so. There? Okay. So, it's been so, a while since I've read them, but yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I'm reading this book, and I want my eight-year-old and my six-year-old to understand it. So – Lewis is kind of a contemporary of mine, right? We live kind of within the same hundred years. However, he's from England, and he has a little bit different use of the English language than I do. Yeah. And there is some chronological distance, so words he uses are a little different even from words people use in England today. Yeah. So I'm yeah. reading this book, man, and like the vocabulary in it, I have to explain things to my kids. For instance, uh, when Tumnus meets Lucy for the first time in the woods, right? Mm -hmm. um, he, he drops all of his parcels. <laughs> and my kids are like, what, what is a parcel? And I'm like, it's yeah. like, it means like packages that are wrapped up. And they're like, oh, okay, I get that. But they don't know, yeah. right? And so it's the same thing when when we read scripture. We're, we're removed from it mm. for thousands of years. It's a different culture, different customs, different place geographically than we're at. We can't be so yeah. arrogant to think, oh, I can just open this up and, and get it. And that's where we, we talked about last week. So many people treat the Bible like it's a fortune cookie. Like I'm just <laughs> yeah. going to crack this puppy open. I'm going to read a sentence. I'm feel good and move on with my day. Man, it deserves our attention. Oh, yeah. And it deserves our time. And when we do take the time to study the occasion, we can really see some beautiful stuff and make sense of what's going on in the context. Well, isn't that such a more interesting story and passage now, now that you like, you know, the context behind mm -hmm. it, now that you, you think it through what the occasion was and what exactly he meant by burying his father yeah. uh, and the, the historical, the cultural activity that was going on about the, the year long waiting of the flesh to decay off the bone. That's crazy. And that provides so much more context and uh, like situational, uh, um, ideas that were happening at the time so you can deeply understand what was happening in scripture. Yeah, Jesus isn't a jerk. Yeah. Jesus is Jesus you, is actually teaching that's bad theology. But, but when you do this too, <laughs> like like when when I go through this too, like like it makes me feel like scripture's more real. 
It's yeah. more attainable because it's like, look, this isn't just some fairy tale thing that was made up. It's like, hey, look, this is a historical event because uh, things that were happening yeah. that the writers weren't even trying to like imply that this was going like they yeah. just wrote what like literally about the because people would context. know about it at the time. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's like when you study and you learn these things, it helps uh, encourage you because yes. you have a better, deeper understanding of what's happening in scripture. Yep. So so just to recap the context that's what we're going over in this series. Uh, again, I'm going to go over these. C is crowd, audience. Uh, the O is occasion, the historical cultural background. Uh, N, name of the author, whose name signature is on the end of the manuscript. Time, date, echoes, repeated words. Explanation, word studies. Text, what does the text say? Observation. And then says to me application so yep. what what does this mean context context that's the key here that's yep. that's exactly what we're focusing on this series because just like we just went over now it's so important that we understand what's happening because it gives us a deeper understanding of the meaning behind scripture and it yeah, helps, and it helps strengthen us your faith. and it helps us not misinterpret it exactly yeah. the truth of it is and and i i've been in many a bible study where we're, we're studying scripture and somebody will say, well, what I think this passage means for me. And yeah. I look at them and I say, I don't care what it means for you. And I don't care what it means to you. I care what it says. Yeah. I care what it actually means. It doesn't mean different things to different people. It means yes. a specific thing. That's why it was written in human language because yeah, and, and it means something specific. But, so yeah. we can't misinterpret it. And that's where so often when we don't have some type mm. of a rule or guideline to help us do hard work and show ourselves as an approved workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, we get all these crazy, horrible interpretations that then lead to false ideas and beliefs that then lead to bad orthopraxy yes. or bad ways of living it out, which is damaging to people. For instance, uh, I don't know if you saw this last week, and we did an episode on the New Apostolic Reformation a yeah, while ago. Yeah. And uh, so there's all these NAR uh, prophets who were prophesying that Donald Trump was for sure going to get reelected. Yeah. And guess what? He didn't. Mm-hmm. So what do you call that, Tyler? False prophecy. False prophecy, <laughs> exactly. That's what it is. So, see, the, people, people are misinterpreting scripture and what prophecy is supposed to be for today and our apostles for today because they don't have a good thing hermeneutical... Is, that's not the first time that they've done that. That's happened I so know. many times. I it, know. Yeah. But, and, it, but it's based on yeah. their misreading of scripture. That's exactly it. And look... And I'm so glad that you met, brought this up, Robbie, too. And this may offend a, a lot of you who are listening to this. But the, the truth is, is you can't, you should never, even in the smallest passages, say, uh, take, take the verse at the value of what it means specifically to you. Sure. You should not, because it is so dangerous, because even the smallest uh, misinterpretations of the, theological concepts and scripture mm -hmm. ideas can turn into major heresies. Yeah, it can. And and yeah. that's why but but with that cuz then people say, so you're saying scripture is not for me? Well, it is yeah. for all of us. Yes. But what we need to do is study what it says to the original crowd in the occasion it was in mm -hmm. and who it was written by and the time period it was written in and what the words meant at the time and all of that so that we can get to the place of what does this and how does this apply to my life? Yes, so for yes. instance, what I would say, and again, we're going to get to application, you know, says to me at the end of the series. But with this passage, I think a good application would be, okay, you have this guy who has these cultural and religious 
traditions that are keeping him from actually following Jesus. Yeah. Isn't that what's happening? That's what's happening. So maybe an application would be, because I don't have an ossuary box to bury my parents in. Yeah. So that doesn't necessarily apply to me. But what does apply to me is maybe asking the question, in a like manner, what cultural norms or cultural customs or traditions are keeping me from following Jesus. Yeah. What excuses am I (laughs) creating? What false ideology do I have that maybe isn't scriptural that keeps me from following Jesus now? And and you know what? That's that's a good application. It is. Because the thing is, is like that that's, that's not taking any theological concept out of whack. What you're doing there is you're seeing what happened in the context of how it happened in Mm -hmm. scripture. And you're saying, look, you know what? I want to make sure that I don't do that. Yeah. I can be like that guy. Yeah. Maybe not with an ossuary, but in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. That's how it works. That's good application. Yes. Yes. So, so that's the way we need to be looking at things Mm -hmm. uh, is what is the context of scripture? And you need to do And that's, that's where so many people just want to, um, and I think it's because we live in a microwave culture, but we just want to have the immediate mm. application. So I read a verse, immediate application. It doesn't work like that. You got to understand all this other stuff and then you apply it to your life. <laughs> like Otherwise, you're going to make misapplication. Yeah. And that's not that's good. True. And that leads down bad paths. So understanding scripture is important, studying it well. And so we hope this context study will help you. But yeah, I'd encourage you get a really good like biblical encyclopedia. Mm -hmm. Historical background books are out there. Uh, Ben Witherington has written a ton of really good stuff on this. Fascinating stuff. Look into the archaeology, think through it, because it helps you to understand what the author who wrote this was saying Mm. to the audience he was writing to at the time he was writing. Yes. And then when we understand that, we can see how it applies to our life. So hopefully this is helpful to you, encouraging to you, enlightening to think about ossuary boxes. I don't think about ossuary boxes every day, right? I don't either. It's not happening anymore. But we need to think about it. Also, if you would follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, if you would like to help contribute and become a supporter on Patreon, we would really appreciate that. Your support goes to uh, making our podcast bigger, helping other people hear about the truth and understand who Jesus is, and then also uh, help Christians be able to grow and defend their faith well. So that's what we want to be about here. But thank you so much uh, for sticking with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. Uh, Go get your favorite coffee mug. Pour yourself a nice French press or AeroPress or pour over or whatever you got. And take some time to uh, ask God uh, about how you can better study scripture this year. And then look into some resources to be able to do that. So thanks so much for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. We will be back with you next week. Thanks for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.